Welcome to Unconditional Love, a podcast where we explore coming out narratives of queer youth. I'm Anthony Russell Jerry. And I'm Frankie Younger. The Unconditional Love podcast is a part of the Youth Citizenship Narrative Project, a project focused on youth experiences with citizenship through various perspectives. These episodes explore the many sites and spaces that provide respite along the journey towards unconditional love. Specifically, our show asks us to think about coming out to oneself, friends and family, and the numerous institutions that frame our lives, as well as the conflict between the fluidity of one's personal sense of becoming and the permanence of one's being to others. Unconditional love contains subject material that some may find upsetting. However, we have tried to present these narratives in an uncensored form as to remain true to the experiences and points of view of our collaborators. Welcome back to Unconditional Love, uh, a podcast about, what is our podcast about, Frankie? Trying to find a, a place to belong, which is, I think that uh, this episode is really uh, focused on on that, particularly in uh, figuring out how you define yourself might conflict with the way society defines you, and then trying to find people that... Uh, agree with how you view yourself which is a whole process in and of itself absolutely today's episode is about sort of taking that first step into public life um and imagining or thinking about how it is that uh uh sort of people want to be perceived by other people or how they want to be seen by other people um there's a number of different themes i think that, that that come out in today's episode um sort of right off the top of my head sort of finding validation or finding sort of that, that, that peer group that then um, allows someone to, to sort of flourish. Yeah, absolutely. To, to experience the world, right, um, in the way that, that, that they think they should or that they think they want to. Yeah. All right. Well, um, hope you enjoy the episode. Um, here we go. To someone else. Uh, probably when I was... Probably when I came out around 14, uh, because I didn't really have, like, friends growing up, um, either because I was somewhat antisocial and depressive, so people kind of didn't want to be around me, and then friends that I did make would move away inexplicably, you know? Like, one of my friends moved to Hawaii, one of my friends moved to Oregon, like, they would just move far, far, far away, and it's like, when you're a kid, you don't keep in touch with those friends, so... Uh, I had these like serious abandonment issues and then when I was in high school and like kind of an okay person that people wanted to be around and like I started thinking more about how do I want people to perceive me and how do I communicate myself you know accurately to these people 
because um, I hung out with kind of like the edgy outcast crowd, you know, people like who were goths or anime kids or, you know, did drugs or whatever. And uh, so I was like, it's okay to be kind of freaky here, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that's kind of when, and I did it just casually too. I acted like I would just always thought of myself this way. And uh, some, it was like we were talking about relationships somehow. And I told my friend, my female friend at the time, that uh, something, something, oh yeah, because I'm bisexual, you know? It was just a real casual, added it in there. <laughs> and she was like, oh cool, me too. I was like, what? <laughs> so, like, I didn't expect that response. And I was like, wow, this is so different. Now, like, there are other people that, you know, I always knew there were other people, but now I have the experience of other people, you know, being kind of like me. So, uh, so that was really cool. Um, and that was kind of like the very first moment I can remember of, of making my identity known, I guess, to somebody else. Um, and then I think I also made it known to my boyfriend at the time who I like had just started dating like really weirdly and I was like also I'm bisexual is that okay with you <laughs> like are you gonna be homophobic and he was like no it's cool <laughs> <laughs> he's like no it's cool I'm bi too and I was like sick <laughs> that happened to me in high school <laughs> like everybody was bi in high school everyone was bi in high school so, and that's totally good yeah and valid and real yeah your bisexual experiences when you were 13 are real we're not trying to say that it's like a phase or anything. People yeah. like people just do that and it's fine. Yeah, dude, it's cool. Were you were you would you would you say that that uh sort of at that moment at 14 years old you were kind of trying it on? Yeah. yeah. In a way I was because I hadn't actually had relationships with women at that point. Um I just kind of knew that I wanted to. Um and that was kind of at the point, like I mentioned earlier, where I was looking back at feelings I'd had, you know, throughout my life and, you know, how I felt when I saw the uh, music video on MTV for all the things she said and <laughs> <laughs> being like an, like, again, like an eight year old and like, whoa, these two women making out on my TV and, you know, then it just like disappeared. But, you know, can I say something really quick? You still listen to that song? Well, yes, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, when when that song would come on the radio and my mom was in the car, I would get nervous. <laughs> I'd be like, oh no, I like this song. What if she figures yeah, it out? Yeah, I know. Like, if, if people, like, if my family were watching TV at the time, and, like, we all kind of watched MTV a little bit because it was mostly music videos then, uh, and that song came on and they had, like, wanted to watch something else, it wasn't like they were like, ooh, this, this song, you know? It was just like, this other thing is on that mm. I want to watch. I'd get a little disappointed. I'd be like, oh, but but I like that video. <laughs> did, did you actually voice that? Did no. You actually, oh, okay. No. Because I didn't, again, it was just kind of like a nebulous feeling, you know, of mm. I just like that, you know. Right. It's not that, uh, you know, I don't know. It's I'm not, like, horny for that. <laughs> you know, right, but... I wasn't thinking about it in that kind of terms. But, but, yeah, no, I was just like, huh. I really like that video. 
Okay, but it wasn't then the, the, the exact opposite of that either were to say that I don't want to tell them I like the video because then that might expose me kind of thing. Right, yeah. I wasn't exactly thinking about that right, okay. at that time. And I guess I'm lucky because my family is pretty progressive. So, you know, they have their liberal things like, you know, kind of lingering homophobia or racism and stuff like that that they don't know that they have. Um, so it's like when my younger brother came out as gay, my mom kind of was like, mm, you know, like I told, like she totally supports gays, but then when her son was gay and then he was talking about having boyfriends around and stuff like that, she was like, mm, I guess, I don't know. I just don't want to see you be like affectionate together. You know? That's so interesting because so, that's that. like opposite of what a lot of parents go through where it's like, I'm not supportive of this and then their kid comes out to them and then they to- like totally have a 180. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. That's like the complete opposite yeah, of that. Yeah, I think that a lot of people, a lot of cishets that think that they're very, very supportive of the queer demographic still have these little like lingering prejudices and this like you know, I'm totally cool with the fact that that happens to other people in other places, but if it comes into my life, then I'm going to be uncomfortable, I and I'm going to have to deal with that. I think that's the definition of liberal. I think. The, yeah. The, the, oh the, my god. That's, yeah. Basically. That's, that's the definition. Of liberal, yeah. <laughs> did did you you think so? If we could maybe go back just a little bit, do you think that um that sort of Me Too moment that you had with with your friend? I think you were saying at age mm-hmm. 14 or so. Do you, do you think do do you think Looking back now, did that give you a particular kind of freedom, um, sort of a little ledge to stand out on, you know, to then be able to say, okay, now I can sort of mm-hmm. see how far this can go? Or Yeah, definitely. Um, it just, like, validated me in an extra way, you know. Uh, and it kind of, it kind of, like, reassured me that, like, okay, yes, I'm in the right place you know, that I'm hanging with the right crowd. Uh-huh. And, you know, even though there are a bunch of, like, reject people and, like, a lot of them ended up being horrible later, but, you know, for that moment <laughs> in my life, you know, I was in the right crowd, you know, talking about the right things with the right people, you know, so that I could get to, you know, because, like, 14 is still pretty young for for a lot of people. They don't have those experiences till much later. So uh, I was pretty lucky that, you know, my first year of high school, I got to have that experience, and we all got to be, like, out to each other on various levels. What do you, what do you think, what'd you get from that whole being in the right crowd thing? I think a lot, a lot of, a lot of us need that, right? No matter mm-hmm. if, 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 I mean, on, on all levels, so. No matter how old we are. Right, exactly. Or, or, or no matter what your identities are, right, or your sexuality is, yeah. right? It's a, mm-hmm. That's like a human kind of thing, I think, right? And right. It's sort of, I'm, I'm in the right place, I'm home, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's extremely important. Um, and, you know, it's such a way of enforcing, you know, identities and things like that. Because it's like when you're not at home with most people, you know, or like most of society, you know, they have a way of just pushing you out, you know. Right. And so it's like I never knew why, but it's like I always had that feeling of being pushed out mm-hmm. and of like looking at how you know everybody else did things and this is like going down to my family dynamic and my you know my class uh 
level and everything you know everything in my life I always was kind of aware that things were different so um yeah I think that community like that is extremely important and um I was gonna make a point about that and also like with that particular moment in my life I think I was aware that I wanted to have a weird life like I don't know I can't like explain exactly but weirdness and like experimentation and stuff like that was always a part of my identity um you know being open to new ideas and being able to change my mind about things pretty rapidly uh I still can kind of do that but you know uh I don't like brag about it uh but you know and so like when I say it was with the right crowd it wasn't it's not only that that was a community for me but I also realized it as an uh an avenue into the experiences that I would want to have later, you know? Because, like, I had this kind of weird uh, awareness of the future, so I was like, you know, at some later time, I'm going to want to have freaky threesomes, but right now, I don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So that's kind of, like, another way I benefited from that particular crowd and that particular experience. That's awesome. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> I, I wonder. I wonder how it is then. That, so, so a lot of, um, so a lot of. Uh, let me just ask the question. So, so. The idea of sort of kind of being edgy, right, or or sort of like you said, freaky or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, like how is it that that you can sort of give that to yourself? But at the same time, not sort of question sort of uh, a type of authenticity around it, right? And, and the reason why I ask is because I'm sure a lot of people, mm. as, especially those folks who, and Frankie, Frankie had mentioned this before, those folks that want to pray the gay away, mm. right? Mm. Those folks, I, I imagine, and then some people who are still on that side of the spectrum, but not as extreme, would say, oh, it's just a phase. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, and, like and, you're, yeah. And so you're being edgy, that's because you want to push sort of the envelope, but it's not your true feelings. Like you're listening to the goth music and you're, you know, smoking cigarettes after school. And I could imagine... Of course you're going to say you're bisexual. Right, and I could <laughs> and I could imagine a parent or, or a relative saying, ah, oh, she's going to calm down or yeah. eventually he or she's going to come back out of it and get, definitely. you know, their act together. Yeah. And that definitely, I've had many, many experiences like that, you know, especially Same. because I identified as you know, bisexual or pansexual, like, um, a big part of, like, how I understand my identity now is that I never knew that not being into men was an option. Like, I I knew that lesbianism was a thing, and I knew lesbians, but, like, somehow for me personally, it didn't click that men might not be a part of my life, you know, uh, at least on an intimate level. Uh, so I actually had a lot of relationships and experiences with men that I probably didn't really want to because I just, you know, with the coming out as bisexual and with the, you know, kind of image and, uh, you know, edginess and things like that that I wanted, I don't know. I just kind of assumed that's how things would go, especially as, like, you know, a young sexually liberated woman, like, 
you know, you get drunk at parties and fuck guys. <laughs> and I did a lot of that. It's like, I probably didn't really want to do that. Mm. I probably should have gotten drunk and fucked girls. <laughs> yeah. do, do you think do you think at your at, at your age and your moment would would that have been available to you i mean uh, because i imagine there was a bunch of other girls that were probably oh, thinking yeah. the same thing yeah definitely and but, like i think that we had i think that a lot of girls had a similar experience where we didn't even question like our relationship to men as you know as a as an entity you know um or as a direction of our sexuality um, it was like, I had like a team, you know, I had a squad of like maybe four or five, six other women. And like, we were party girls. And, you know, even if we weren't like having sex with random people, we were, we were partying and we were getting drunk and we were doing weird stuff and, you know, dancing on tables, darn confetti, like, you know, uh, dick shaped balloons, whatever. And... <laughs> So, we were people you could expect weird stuff to happen around, and we had actually some really close relationships, me and these girls. One of them, uh, I actually ended up falling, like, deeply in love with and totally ruined our relationship, Mm. like, forever. Like, we probably would have dated for a while, and then I just totally was an asshole, and that didn't happen. Mm. So, we're still friends now, but you know it's kind of just i have to deal with the fact that uh that i blew it you know with this yeah. girl that i really really was into and we all had you know we'd slept with each other and like we'd kind of expressed feelings about each other so i think this was kind of a time of you know exploring intimacy with women for all of us but it never quite got past this certain threshold you know because we still had all this all this other stuff in our life i don't know it was like things are always getting in the way like we didn't put a lot of focus on just pursuing women you know it was just about like living all of life in general as bisexual people with loose morals (laughs) and (laughs) men just happen to be a part of that and that's kind of the thing that i learned is that men will be there whether you really want them to or not. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, if you're at a party and you're just like, hey, I'm sexually open, a man will be there. Mm-hmm. A gay girl might not be there. That's right, yeah. So statistically, you're probably going to end up with dudes. And I did, a lot. <laughs> I figured that out way later when I was looking back and I was like, you know, I'm pansexual, but how come... It's never panned out for me, pun intended. Um, And that's what I realized. I was like, because just statistically, there's way more, you know, straight men than there are gay or bi girls. Yeah, exactly. And they're much more aggressive about it. That's true. Like the classic girl problem of. (laughs) You know exactly what, or I know exactly what you're talking about. You don't know how to approach another girl you just assume she's straight yeah. and that you'll be bothering her you don't want to be sexually harassed so you don't want to sexually harass other women right <laughs> so gay gay girls just pass each other by constantly mm-hmm. yeah. but, I, but I wonder then if that has something to do not just with sort of society's acceptance of that kind of thing but also the the messiness um that we kind of started the conversation with around sort of the the feelings and the acts 
mm-hmm. right? And the way that those things don't always, or at least as as sort of people nowadays, we don't know how to make sense of all those things, right? The right. sort of all of the stuff that you're talking about are the secrets, right? That mm-hmm. your parents were keeping from you, and I, and I don't know if it's just simply that parents are keeping those secrets. Right. Rather, that they themselves don't have the education mm-hmm. that the children think that their parents should have around these kinds of things. Right. right? So, and we were pretty aware of that, too, at the time. You know, this was probably around, like, age 16 and 17. And we kind of, like, me and my friend group, you know, we were just, like, hanging out in the street, you know, at night one time, which we did a lot, and chatting. And, like, one of us kind of just said, you know, we've sort of seen a lot of stuff, like we kind of have experienced a part of society that a lot of people don't. And we all just kind of went like, huh, I guess that's true, you know? And we had kind of assumed it was from being young, but then at that moment kind of considered, you know, maybe it's not just that. And that a lot of people just don't explore these things very fully, you know? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, and so I guess I the the sort of trying to find a place... um, where folks can actually rely on someone else to help them figure that kind of stuff out, mm-hmm. right? Rather than just sort of experience the secrecy right. or mm-hmm. the negativity or the, the you know, the, the sort of hostility mm-hmm. right? that, yeah. that comes with not knowing, Absolutely. you know what I mean? And, and, and in some ways I know that some parents or people in general try to say they withhold that. Mm-hmm. But then I think there's a whole you know, a group of folks that just simply don't know how to talk about it, right? And right. that then yeah. leads to the hostility, that then leads to the sort of, there's something out there that you'll have to experience on your own, but I'm not going to help you through it. Right? Yeah. Simply not knowing how. Mm-hmm. struggle in Flounder just like I did. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. That's like part absolutely. of the gay character building is struggling through not knowing what the fuck you're doing. Just like sink right. or swim. Just Yeah. But isn't, isn't that part of the process of becoming an adult though? Even even without sexuality. I, I mean, guess. everything. Yeah, I guess so. But I don't think it has to be. It do, absolutely mm-hmm. not. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Yeah. But, like, but I, ma- I imagine if you think back to everything, figuring out how to do whatever, some of the practical stuff, parents got you. Right. right. Yeah, I definitely know people who are like, I really wish I'd learned how to do my finances. I was just thinking that. Okay, so yeah, take a class on that, right? But the, but around the feelings, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, no, the feelings are... Oh, man. Yeah, and like I do know that there's, you know, with the push for comprehensive sex education, you know, like starting earlier at age-appropriate topics and covering more, you know, like queer identities and boundaries and values and things like that. Right. Like the only way that we kind of talked about values was like kind of in this implication of like do you want to save it for marriage or do you not? Mm-hmm. Like, those are kind of the two options. Right. And I was like, Psh, fuck marriage. So I guess that kind of answered my question for me <laughs> at that point. Right. But like, you know, in an authentic way, teaching values, like, you know, uh, how, you know. What consent looks like and yeah, stuff like, like what that. what consent looks like. Um, like, is it appropriate in my life to you know have casual sex you know mm-hmm. or is it not and that's fine and that's different for everybody mm-hmm. um and that kind of thing we don't have those conversations like right. normally right in school feelings j- in general just kind of aren't talked about in a in a broad sense which is a yeah big i guess i guess so i mean that's a bigger problem kind of with society i guess 
uh, around around any kind of identity issue that you yeah. want you you could think of, right? Those yeah. that seems or like to be intense feelings at all. I think people yeah. don't like a feeling of being out of control, and mm. when they feel things like extreme sadness or like you know extreme euphoria about you know being around another person or something, they kind of want that control back. And so I think it's easy to kind of be like, you know, for for a kid who's like having maybe a gay experience and you know having like a fluttery heart about someone of their same gender is like oh you know that's not what that is and they kind of retreat back into the heteronormativity right. and like redirect it or oops or they you know deny it somehow right. mm-hmm. and that that's more comfortable than just letting your feelings happen i guess one of the sort of a way to maybe to to sort of sort of wrap up is, is maybe try try to sort of go full circle and and what I would ask you then is is do you feel sort of now in the life that you're living now do you feel at home in, in, a, in a way that you were looking for sort of as a, as a younger person I think definitely I feel much more at home uh, and it's been <laughs> it's been a rough road <laughs> Uh, and like I did change my identity a couple times and uh, I changed it again fairly recently a few years ago when I kind of accepted that I'm not particularly attracted to men so I tend to identify as gay nowadays Um, and I think just knowing that life is so weird and all the people in it are so weird like it really just makes me feel at home and it makes me you know like the drive to do weird things that I've always had Mm. like it's still there it's not as out of control and like not as uh silly I guess um but it's much more deliberate I think and it's more aware of like everybody wants to do weird things everybody wants to see something novel or bizarre or like you know they want to be stimulated somehow even if it's not like sex if it's some mystery or it's some you know some new spectacle you know they want to see that and it's entertaining it's just that it's not allowed in certain contexts Mm -hmm. and I think that that's uh silly and that people should should as long as you know everybody's consenting and you know feeling okay and everything like that then people should just get as weird as they want because life is way too weird mm-hmm. <laughs> everything's just way too weird to not you know let yourself do what you want yeah i guess that's kind of like where i've come with my identity now <laughs> with, with all these things well thanks for coming in and, and being our guest sharing your story and having cool fun things to say (laughs) yeah for real uh thanks for having me over and it was fun (laughs) well that's today's show i hope you enjoyed the episode and uh thank you to our special guest uh today for episode two um do you remember uh was it was it Mary? What was the Mary? Mary, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's it. I'm doing air quotes right now, but you can't see it. Right? <laughs> that was Mary. So, um, Anything... oh, what would you think about today's show, Frankie? Um, I, th- I think I think the uh, 
I think the the sort of idea of sort of finding uh, a home uh, is is an important one, um, and I, and I guess in this context, you know, it, it relates specifically to sort of the 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 sort of always happening right process of of coming out that sort of continual process mm-hmm. that people have continued to talk about but but I think one of the really important things I think is that that home doesn't have to be a forever home mm-hmm. right that yeah. home doesn't have to be somewhere where where you're going to live you know forever it's it's a it's a sort of it's a home that 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 grounds someone for now right it's a it's a sort of you know place to be you but that's always sort of up for for sort of a, a transformation and Mary seemed to be very aware of that also um she said that she had like the a freaky kind of <laughs> sense of the future and, and like knowing kind of where she wanted to be later right. and that it might not be with the same people which was that's pretty cool to have that foresight, I guess. Yeah, most thought, people don't think yeah. about that. Yeah, I thought it was cool that the she sort of recognized that the folks that she were hanging out that were kind of instrumental for her, sort of building a sense of of herself at that moment. You know, turned out to be pretty awful for the most part, right? <laughs> but that that was a, a sort of stopping point, right? That was for for a brief moment. That was home. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wonder. I wonder about the the idea of sort of looking back. Do you, do you think these are these are things that, I mean, I imagine people don't even think about this kind of stuff while they're experiencing it, right? And then mm-hmm. they look back and they they remember sort of, I don't know if it's nostalgically or, you know, positive or negatively, but you sort of remember the places that you lived, right? Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because, I mean, just every time you remember something, you remember it differently depending on where you are in your life and that can color the way that you remember stuff but um <clears throat> I don't know where I was going with this thought yeah, well I think it's interesting so if I think back like we're going to stick with the sort of home kind of uh metaphor or analogy yeah. right I, I, I don't exactly sort of remember everything I did in all of the houses that I lived in oh. growing up right but I, but I remember you don't no but I remember my room Oh, right. And each one of those places, I remember my room and I remember sort of that 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 safe space. Right. That 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 place that was was mine. Right. Well, even if it was shared with with someone else, you know, but 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 it was that place where where I could sort of, you know, be the me that was uh, authentic. Yeah. At least at the moment. Right. The Me that was on stage or center stage or however you would say it at the moment. Right. I could be that person but I but I can't say that I remember you know everything else about those houses but I do I do remember the space mm-hmm. yeah. and the not only the physical space but the emotional space I can imagine you remember too yeah, absolutely absolutely yeah I was I was I was talking to someone uh about a week ago or so and about sort of 14 being an awkward age right and I, and I don't think I remember anything about eighth grade what you know nothing yeah that was that grade for me but still, I remember sort of my room in eighth grade. Oh, okay, yeah. You, you see what I mean? But, oh, yeah. but any of the sort of eighth grade interactions beside, you know, beyond my own just sort of 14-year-old awkwardness. I, I guess it just hasn't been that long for me. <laughs> That's okay. That was a slick kind of way to call me old. Huh? It was a All slide right. dig. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
exactly. It's like, oh, it's like all so clear for me. Yeah. Well, I guess just for me, 14 is when a lot of stuff happened. Like I had a very similar experience to Mary actually, where I finally, I'm in high school and I'm deciding like, maybe I'll be more open with myself. Nah, nah, nah. And then I find out that other people were bi and I was like, oh, what? Um, I, I think that other people said it before I ever I ever did to anybody else because I just wasn't used to being like accepted right but I found other people and it was like I had the same exact like what like <laughs> experience and then you know I found the GSA and then everything was like totally fine from there but all before that in eighth grade it was a whole other story so that's why I remember it I guess there's a lot of crazy stuff happened and I guess I guess that's that uh, unconditional love that that we're all looking for. Well, uh, thanks for thanks for sticking with us, uh, and uh, hopefully you come back for episode three. Yeah. All right. Till next time. Take care. Well, that's our show. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you will come back for our next episode. In the meantime, for more narratives, please visit culturalmediaarchive.org and click on Archive tab. Feel free to send us an email with any comments, complaints, or suggestions. You can reach me at frankieyounger at gmail.com. And you can reach me at anthonyj at ucr.edu. Take care. Media Archive.